0: Welcome to Thoughts On Podcast, where we indulge in the art of conversation. I'm Rishabh Kansal, joined by my charming co-host, Abhishek Daspanshi. So this is our first episode, and we thought of talking about something a little weird. Today, we're going to talk about something that probably never crossed your mind, but some experts say that it is going to be the new point zero for coronavirus spread. College towns. Alright, cue intro Music, <music> So, what is a college town? A college town is a community that is dominated by its university population. The businesses around it depend heavily on the students as their sources of income. So there are many examples all around the world and a lot of them in India as well such as my own university VIT which is situated in a small town called Kartpadi. So to really understand the situation, we would have to look at the facts and the statistics, which Abhishek honestly does better than me. So take it away.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, here's the scene, okay? Uh, Countries with college towns caught in the midst of a pandemic. How does that play out over the next few months? I don't think uh, anyone really knows or can predict that because everyone around the world is pretty uncertain about When the next wave is just going to come up. With colleges opening and shutting, it all just seems to be a big mess. I mean, here's the deal it has an economic and social impact. We know that the livelihoods in and around this student ecosystem is heavily dependent upon the students. Everyone has a plan focused around students. But what about the people who live next door? Are we looking for a plan? Are we planning for something that is going to keep everyone under that safe bubble? As students decide to fly back from their home, hometown and colleges prepare in-person and partial in-person fall semesters, what's at stake is that there is no sure shot strategy that would help keep the transmission of this virus under control. So now my question is,
0: how do we move forward? What's the plan? Listen, listen, listen. Uh... I really don't think we can plan around all of this because all you're saying takes me back to my own college days thinking about VIT. Now, VIT is very infamous for, you know, taking in 3,000 students per batch, like 3,000 students in computer science, 2,000 students in mechanical. And this is every year. So there's around like 20,000 students, maybe more at any given point in the campus walking from their class to the hostel and stuff like that. So... If you really think about it, in universities like these, if you have in-person education, how will people go to their classes while maintaining six feet of distance? Or, you know, while being safe? And it's just not about VIT. A lot of private universities do take in a lot more students that they can handle. And even government colleges. I mean, they do have a lot lesser students, but they also do not match the infrastructure. The classes are dirty. They do not get cleaned as regularly. So, of course, there's a million points from where students can infect each other. And if I think about that, I also think about the hostels. Now, hostels are a different thing altogether. I mean, bathrooms are shared. People will jump on each other's beds. I mean, it's crazy, right? You remember hostel life, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can just begin to imagine how it would all pan out because there's only so much we can kind of... uh... Take into consideration or make sure that we are staying safe but after some point it just you just can't uh, uh keep a hold of it and it is bound to happen uh it, it's it's i don't think that there is a perfect way to keep this transmission under control un- unless and until there is a vaccine that comes up say in another Month or so, which, like everyone around the world is discussing, is highly unlikely. I mean, Bill Gates, Bill Gates says it's the best, I believe, because he predicted this pandemic. And uh, according to the research, uh, he believes in. It says that uh, nothing until late twenty twenty one is seems like All the for right. future. So you're saying students shouldn't go back, right? I mean. Uh, that that's the ideal situation because I know that how long can this situation be avoided? How long
0: can students be asked to stay home? Uh, now, yeah, I if mean... you you're thinking about students now, I actually uh, called up an akka who used to sell cigarettes and you know all kinds of college stuff. I mean, like, not cigarettes. I mean, coke and toffees and chocolates and chips. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, basic, basic stuff. Yeah, yeah, like stuff you need every day, right? And I called her up and, you know, in the limited conversation that we could have, due, you know, due to the language barrier, mm-hmm. uh, the only thing that I could understand was that their lives really, really depended on the students. And she was telling me that most of the businesses around the university depend on the students as their primary source of income. Kartpati, being that small of a town is not self-sustainable. It, everything built around the university was to cater to the students and their sources of income were the students and it's just not one town there are hundreds maybe thousands of economies small economies just like these we which completely rely on students so i mean i get it students have to be safe and i really do not think that they should be going back but this is also one thing to be thinking about so what are your thoughts on that
1: well quite frankly i do believe that uh yeah safety needs to be coming first but i also equally believe that businesses need to resume uh, there are people suffering especially the poor and uh, we know that they depend on this on on, 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 on on a major chunk of their income is dependent on the way colleges resume and as and when they resume so i i, I i'm i'm actually just wondering how I I would I would actually want to know how how people who plan to go back sometime soon or are going back or in the process of uh, you know uh, returning to college what 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 do they think about this and what would that experience be like?
0: Right. So you're really curious about how education the sector is going to go moving forward, right? How yeah, people are gonna how people are going to educate themselves how people are going to get degrees how humans are just going to continue living their lives normally right yeah that's a big question in all of our minds so to understand international education during covid and to highlight its positives and the negatives we have a very special guest joining us right across the short break don't go anywhere Welcome back to Thoughts On Podcast, where we have conversations about everything and nothing. Today on our show, we are joined by Mr. Abhinav Chinta, whose biggest achievement in life is that he's a green card holder and an active part of his TMI chapter. (laughs) No, but seriously, he's a brilliant engineer who's pursuing his master's at John Hopkins University. He joined less than a month back and we hope to learn a lot about him and about the country that the entire world is laughing upon. So Abhinav, Uh, we had a survey of about 2 million Indian students who want to go study in the USA and their biggest number one question was, how do you switch from the spray jet to the toilet paper?
2: (laughs) Um, I've heard this question a lot of times and and honestly, I think the easiest way to do it is you have two options so either one you can install the jet in your bathroom like it's it's 20 it's not that much and you can live the same life you have you've lived in india except with a little cleaner bathrooms i guess or you could just learn to use wet wipes (laughs) i think that's the two easiest solutions that i've thought of
0: okay but what happens when you have to poop and you're at a public place
2: Uh, just don't do it in a public place it's a common rule of thumb just don't use public bathrooms they're unsanitary and especially now that we're in the middle of a pandemic just do it at home
0: (laughs) okay Abhishek on to you
1: well uh, that was definitely more graphic than I imagined it to be anyways uh, so see I think you're probably one of the only friends that I have or that I know during this pandemic who have traveled to the US Amidst all the kind of chaos that's going on. So how was that like? Like, what did you, what was the actual experience like? Because it's not, no one is actually traveling.
2: Okay, yeah, so... um Maybe if this was a few months back, you know, when the pandemic just started, it would have been a lot more drastic. But I think now uh, most countries are trying to reopen and trying to get used to this new way of life where you have to be cautious, you have to take precautions, but at the same time, you can't keep everything closed and stay at home because the economy has to run. People need to move on, people need to start working and stuff like that. But uh, luckily for us, uh, um, In the education and tech, se- uh, tech sector, and mostly everything these days can be done online, right? So, which is why um, I've taken the decision to start my master's in the fall semester. Um, and however, I've moved to the U.S. mainly because I have lots of uh, uh, family here. My dad's also here in the U.S. So, I've, we thought it would be a lot more comfortable if I was close to them. And uh, coming to the traveling part, uh, so right now, uh, there are lots of airlines that are operating between countries, right? So they have these things called rep- repatriation flights. So mm-hmm. they they have limited numbers, and it's not the same service that you'd normally expect in a normal flight, but uh, they take precautions, they give everyone PPE kits, and the um, the air hostesses are all, you know, well-equipped with these kind of things. And yeah, I'd say it's pretty safe, you know, just keep your distance from people at lines and stuff like that. And apart from that, it's a smooth process.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep, that definitely sounds uh, pretty normal, but yeah, I'm sure you kind of had to go through your own kind of...
2: Yeah, I mean, I basically, I just think that, you know, it's going to be like this for an, at least another six months to a year so i think the faster we uh, get used to this this new way of life and this uh, you know the uh, process of constantly taking precautions everywhere you go i think that's something that we all need to get used to uh-huh. yeah yep, so definitely. have
0: you been around in the u.s and uh, is the mask wearing situation as bad as they show it on the internet
2: so uh about that right so what usually happens uh online and with news sites and with uh, you know uh, social media instagram and everything is we hear a lot about um the actions of a relatively smaller minority group and because it's just so outrageous it gets so much traction so much media attention that suddenly everyone's talking about it and suddenly everybody in india thinks that everyone in us are anti-maskers and they don't believe in the coronavirus which to a certain extent is is true like there is a small population there's a very small minority that think like that But that's usually in some of the more conservative states, I'd say, in the southern US. But uh, I'm currently residing in uh, Maryland, which is um, quite liberal. So uh, the uh, mask-wearing guidelines are quite strictly enforced everywhere. And uh, I've been to quite a lot of places. And I can safely say that most establishments are taking uh, a lot of precautions. So um, for example, in restaurants, uh, They have a limited capacity and uh, every alternate table is uh, left uh, unused to um, maintain social distancing and uh, almost every cashier counter uh, checkout counter has glass has like paint glass windows so uh, they don't have to um, you know, to avoid contact with the cashier and if all the payments are done via card or Apple Pay or, you know, whatever. So there's no
1: actual hand-to-hand uh, exchanges going on. Well, that's, that's, that's good to know. Uh, given the kind of news that's going around, it's definitely uh, kind of respite to know that there are certain measures in place
2: not yeah exactly and um i think one uh one difference that i can see between india and us is uh in india we're having a lot of problem with uh with covid19 mainly because of the population density so in mm-hmm. india even if you go to something simple as a supermarket right you're probably going to run into somebody who's less than six feet who's closer than six feet away from you but here here in the u.s it's it's obviously not that crowded right so you can it's as long as you're taking uh, precautions then you should be fine regardless of uh you know the number of cases that are um going on around here but uh thankfully the number of new cases is decreasing so um that's good that means the hospitals are not as crowded as they were maybe a few months before so it's um, hopefully things will get better soon
1: sure yeah i think i guess everyone hopes for the same so i think uh, like you mentioned i think uh your colleges started and you're kind of pursuing masters so how mm-hmm. is this new uh, uh study life like because it's definitely not something that you were looking forward to when you plan for your masters so tell us right. more about your experience in that so
2: um, maybe around, uh, I I was actually, I had a predicament like a few months back. I wasn't sure if I was going to defer or, um, you know, go anyways. And in fact, even the university wasn't sure until just maybe a few weeks back, uh, you know, uh, whether or not to take the entire semester online or not. Uh-huh. So, um I think one of the reasons, uh, Johns Hopkins decided to go fully online was because, um, if you if you've been following the news, a few, uh, maybe around a month back, um, the Trump administration announced a new rule for all student visas, that they have to, uh, that uh, they have to be in the country, only if their classes are uh, physical, only if they have physical classes. So yeah, this created a, a lot of problems. Right? Yeah, not exactly. Uh, So there were a lot of issues with that. So... um basically a lot of f1 students uh their their universities were going fully online and if that was the case then they'd, they they were almost being forced to leave the country so uh, naturally there was a lot of backlash from um, the democrats and students everywhere and um but even then i think a lot of uh, colleges were prepared to um to find a workaround so um what a lot of colleges like um, uh, uh, john hopkins and a lot more colleges in fact were trying to do was um they they created at least one um mandatory in-person class that not even it wasn't even a class it was almost it was basically just one credit where they would have to come and just like show attendance or something like that just so you know it would abide by uh the new uh uh, policy
0: okay so the one credit course was actually a great workaround against the whole trump ruling And a lot of universities did have a one course, one credit mandatory course, which was in person, which made that F1 students could actually come on campus and study along with other students. But most of them still offered most of their courses online because even the professors were scared about their own health. But moving on to the broader question here is that do you believe that this online way of teaching is as effective as the offline method? And do you think you should be paying the full amount of tuition for this mode of education?
2: right so uh, this was an issue that was uh, discussed a lot because um people were quite surprised that they should that they're being forced to pay full tuition for online classes especially when they're not getting the full university experience like you know uh, physical classes libraries all the other amenities that you'd normally get when you're going to uh, you know a top-notch university right but um so what's going on right now is all these universities they're trying to figure out a way to give students as close as uh, as close of an experience as they'd get if they were in person, right? So um, a lot of colleges have taken steps like they have uh, created virtual classrooms and they've created, you know, you remember those uh, blackboards, not blackboards, those whiteboards we have in VIT, the smart whiteboards. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they've integrated that with Zoom calls directly. So essentially they'd have one screen of you know, them talking and another screen of whatever they're writing and maybe another screen that was uh, showing uh, slides or stuff like that. So, um, of course, it's not it's definitely not the same as physical classes, but I think um, a lot of programs, a lot of colleges have uh, changed their their syllabus and modified their methods of teaching to, you know, accommodate and make the most out of uh, online teaching.
1: Yeah, definitely, I guess uh, there is, uh, it's it's a lot uh, to kind of work around uh, in terms of digitizing this whole thing. So anyways, but so like uh, in terms of masters and, you know, kind of studying abroad, the one thing everyone looks forward is to meeting new people and, you know, kind of socializing and networking. That's a whole new kind of uh, zone because you are hoping to kind of build contacts that will help you in your kind of personal life as well as professional life and given the current restrictions and the fact that you can't really meet people so often how has that been like how 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 is this whole new digital kind of networking working out for you because i'm sure it was again like i mentioned it's not something that you imagined it to be so how are you coping right, up with that right
2: so um of course it's it's not something we've all wanted or something we expected in fact but it's something we'll have to get used to because of the way things are right now and um but definitely the the meeting new friends the networking aspect is probably one of the university experience that's been uh hit the most because of the pandemic Uh but um what's happening now is uh, suppose uh you want to meet a teacher, right? So a teacher or a professor. So they've, they've scheduled um, their office hours uh, along with a Zoom call. So basically, if you, if you ever wanna drop into their office, you can do that virtually by just joining the Zoom call and they'll just be available at that time. And in in addition to this, uh, I think uh, clearly even the professors, they have realized that, you know, networking is going to be a lot more difficult. So uh, what's going on right now is um, after a class, I think this, I think it depends from you know course to course and class to class but um for example one of my courses it involves these um these small breakout rooms so after a class um you'll be divided into smaller groups and in each group there's going to be a teaching assistant uh, assigned and these groups are only to you know discuss topics related to your subject and just you know to encourage participation from everyone especially because you know now that everyone is um in different parts of the world there has to be a better form of communication and networking going on uh-huh. so people actually feel like they're a part of the university rather than just you know some nameless person or faceless person on a zoom call
0: all right so it sounds like people are trying to get used to this new human condition this new way of living and trying to uh, you know work around the problems and get the best solution as possible but then of course it won't be as good as the natural experience but I think technology has progressed so much that it can get you at least 90-95% to close to the actual experience. So moving away from the education side, I wanted to talk a little bit about politics. So, uh, you also being a first generation kid, in the 80s and 90s, the great Indian migration took place where a lot of Indians, they migrated to the US. And now their kids are finally turning uh, 18, 20, or even more. That is basically they're reaching the voting age. Which means... USA for the first time has a voting background which comes from the Indian minority. Also, a lot of studies have shown that Indians are actually the most educated minorities in the US, which makes them uh, high spending and high value targets for politicians as well as companies. So what are your thoughts on the political climate and the upcoming election, of course, but how do you feel that either of those outcomes will affect international students?
2: Right. So um, first, I'll just talk about the international students part. Um, So the problem right now um, in the U.S. is, uh, as you said, um, Indians or Desis, as we call everybody from South Asia, uh, we make up one of the richest and most educated minorities in the U.S. Right. But unfortunately, the truth is not all of us are eligible to vote. Because, you know, many of us are on visas, many of us have a uh, permanent residency and we're waiting for citizenship. There's a, as you probably know, that that process is extremely tiresome. and It takes years and years and years. But um, from what I can tell you is definitely uh, students would require um, an administration that helps, you know, other people get visas in a much faster rate. So, um Unfortunately, the Trump administration they decreased the number of H one visas by half, which was already an extremely difficult visa to get a hold of uh, because of the the lottery, the sort of luck nature that that's uh, go that goes behind it. But right. uh, in terms of in terms of acquiring a student visa, that shouldn't be too difficult for anyone. And after you're done with your education, right, you have something called an OPT, which it which depends on depends from program the STEM to program. courses. Yeah, it's for all STEM courses. You you basically have a short uh, time period around one to two years, somewhere in between, and yeah, you, you're extension. supposed to find. Yeah, exactly. It's a two-year extension that uh you know that you're it basically says that in those two years you're supposed to find a job, that's that that will surely sponsor you um, an H one visa. Okay, so um, again, the problem with that is um, because of the number of H-1 visas, it's extremely hard to come across. So definitely Indians and, um, you know, first generation, second generation Indians will definitely be supporting an administration that is that is definitely going to increase the number of visas that will make um, the U.S. a more hospitable place for, um, for Indians. And uh, yeah, I think this is really important.
0: All right. So you really do feel that the international students and also the citizen Indians are making an actual impact on how government is elected and how decisions are made in the U.S. Now, and yeah, obviously... because our
2: population is uh, increasing year by year, right? So uh, eventually, uh, uh, voters and politicians are both, you know, aware that you know there's a lot of Indians, a lot of Dacians that uh, that require attention from the administration, and which is why um, you know. Uh, kamala harris and joe biden uh their partnership is 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 pretty good for the south asian community
0: yeah right so i was going to talk about the kamala harris story and how she grows to power in california which is obviously the silicon valley and houses a lot of the indian population in the u.s so of course that is a huge story of how indians actually affected the uh, u.s politics but what are your feelings about the political climate right now what do you think uh are people's thoughts on the current cor- uh, on the current administration?
2: Right. So um, I don't want to, you know, directly jump on the uh, Trump sucks bandwagon uh, too quick. But I can assure you one thing is it's that um, a lot of the protests, the riots, everything that you see on the news is yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely a lot that you know the country is going through right now. But um, at the end of the day, it's something that was required you know, something minorities have been suppressed for years and generations and generations. And this is important because finally, um, the BLM movement isn't only for black, black people, African-Americans, it's for, it's for all minorities. So um, as, as that movement gains traction, I think we can expect more representation for South Asian communities, and which is definitely gonna be a major part in the upcoming elections.
0: Yeah, sorry, uh, you talked about the BLM movement, and of course, uh, I researched a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement in Baltimore, that's where you're at, right? Yep. So I read about a few murals that were removed, that were actually authorized by the by the government, and they were removed without anyone's uh, anyone knowing, and of course, there have been a lot of silent protests, but uh, what do you think the atmosphere around the BLM movement is in Baltimore right now?
2: So uh, if you go, uh, so uh, Johns Hopkins is a liberal college, uh, mostly liberal. So there's also um, uh, a Baltimore uh, Museum of Art right next to the college. And uh, if, if you drive by, you'll notice the number of uh, Black Lives Matter flags and murals and in general um, art surrounding the movement that's um, being placed everywhere. So I, I can definitely say that uh, the movement is um, it's very strong here in Baltimore. And uh, from what I've heard, I think uh, I'm pretty sure most of the protests have been peaceful. I think Baltimore has been uh, quite uh, peaceful in terms of, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests.
0: Okay, so that was wonderful. Uh, so now do you want to part with us with any ending comments?
2: Yeah, like I just have a message for anyone who is interested in coming to the U.S., so uh, yeah, you know, basically there's a lot of negative press about uh, the situation in the U.S. right now, whether or not if whether it's uh, racism or the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but I can uh, I can tell you for a fact that you know whatever's happening right now, it's for the better. Um, you know these issues have, have been happening for years and years. It's just that uh, they've been coming to light a lot faster over the few years now Now that you know all police um, are supposed to have um, cameras on them and you know because of the social because of social media and internet a lot of these news are spreading a lot faster and now a lot of millennials have a voice that can actually be heard a lot louder so uh, this is at the end of the day any movement or anything that's gaining traction right now is going to you know help uh, the future generations It's going to help any minorities who come to the US, you know, finally get a voice. And, um, yeah, it should be good. Like, uh, you should definitely come to the US and, you know, do your master's or whatever it is. Just don't be hesitant because of what's happening right now is what I'm trying to say. Every country has its own problems. And, uh, you know,
1: I think uh, earlier in the conversation, I think uh, I heard you uh, use the term Desi, I think pretty well. And... uh, and i'm mm-hmm. definitely amused
2: by the fact that uh you yeah to... so um you know there's, there's a whole uh in the u.s we have to be inclusive right so yeah. um saying it, basically um as a demographic we refer to as south indians oh uh, sorry south asians my bad uh yeah. which refers to um pakistanis indians Bangladeshis, anybody from the southern asian countries sri lanka uh-huh. also nepal Where...
1: yeah okay All right. So I think uh, we captured what we wanted to do as part of this conversation, because the whole idea was to kind of understand uh, the whole thought process and the experience behind you traveling and getting there and what you're going through Mm -hmm. in real time, your your feelings about it. And I think this will really help viewers, like you said in your message, that you would uh, kind of motivate people who are still looking to pursue their masters next year or in the coming near years. So I think that that's yeah. that's I think we we kind of have got uh of the kind of situation that's brewing in around the whole pandemic and uh, it's I'm happy to say that it's it's not all that bad as it was say a couple of months ago I think you would agree with me on the same yeah exactly yeah so we I think like, we're I, definitely... I'm just trying to
2: emphasize on you know uh. Everyone just can't be stuck at home for the next, you know, one year or whenever the vaccine comes out. So things have to move on. I just feel that, you know, you have to take the necessary precautions and,
1: you know, just be careful in whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the new normal and I think slowly and steadily people are going to come out, at least here in India, people are. And uh, colleges are, I think, uh, planning to be opened sometime two months. So let's see. Mm -hmm. It's going to be pretty daunting to kind of experience that given that we didn't exactly have our graduation so So, well anyways so I think thank you for being on this podcast I'm sure all of our listeners thank you for having me yeah yeah, all of our listeners will be really looking forward to uh, yeah all four of them (laughs) yeah yeah whatever it is I think uh, it's uh, moving on from here it's going to be a lot of exciting stuff
0: thank you so much for listening make sure you press that little follow button follow us on instagram we try to post as many interesting things as we can and stay awesome